Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Low Ride, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about sanitation. I guess everybody poops, but only some of us are washing our hands. So, we're going to get to the bottom of that, because it turns out, when you don't have doctors and medicine and good stuff like antibiotics, sanitation becomes an issue. Not washing your hands actually starts to matter. So that's the thing. When you're showering every day, turns out you're probably not filthy. And when you aren't showering but once a week or every other week, then your hands get really dirty. And when you cut them, all that nasty shit gets inside. And when it gets inside, that's where infections come from. And then infections require antibiotics. Turns out it's a lot easier to wash your hands than to have a shit ton of antibiotics around. So hopefully we can give you some ideas on how to keep your hands a little cleaner. Um, and keep your world a little bit cleaner. So hopefully that's the plan. Um, this was actually a uh, listener had reached out to us and wanted us to kind of talk about sanitation and I can't help but think that this is a great idea. So Kevin, take us down. Uh, I'm sure I can come to, uh, the listeners. Uh, actually it was just said, uh, DK. Okay. All right. So one of the things, one of the things that, uh, I think a lot of people take for granted, uh, in modern age is that you can turn on your tap and clean water comes out. And you can poop in the toilet and clean water washes it away. And it's just gone. It's like magic. Uh-huh. So it's estimated that that clean drinking water saves 160,000 people per day in the world. Just by, you know, providing cleaning, clean drinking water. There's a lot of stuff in your poop 
that can make everybody around you sick. So, uh, you know, things like giardia, salmonella, E. coli, even he hepatitis. So, uh, you know, uh, remember that, that uh, uh, computer game, The Oregon Trail? And you people would die from dysentery? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a real thing. It happens. And that's when you drink other people's poop. So... Number one killer in the un, uncivilized world? Diarrhea. Diarrhea. And, you know, I got to tell you. It's weird because the poop actually gets you sick. That's right. You that's right. And I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's interesting. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be somebody that, that dies from pooping too much. That just doesn't seem like a pleasant way to go. You know what I mean? Oh. So let's talk about how to get rid of our poop. The first, uh first one that seems like uh you know one you, you need a little bit more planning for is a composting toilet so uh i know that a, a lot of people with tiny houses and uh things like that have composting toilets um you know there's a there's benefit to the comp composting toilet it's it's low smell um and it's it's pretty safe disposable uh safe to dispose of so what do you know about composting toilets, Chuck? I know you had one at one point. All right. Well, obviously, we have some fancy ones you can do. Now, um, if you guys remember way back, we talked about one of my kids built a tiny house. And he had a kind of a do-it-yourself homemade composting toilet. I guess there's a bunch of tiny house communities, and they all chat and share ideas and different ways to kind of make your world work. So anyway, I thought this was going to be a horrible idea and it ended up working out surprisingly well, relatively. Now I like the option where I, I hit the thing and the water flushes it away, never to be seen again. That's my preferred pooping method. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, putting that out there. Um, all right. But, if my options were limited, what they did was they set up a, they actually in the tiny house built like a regular bathroom and we made a, uh, like a wood box toilet with a toilet seat. I think it actually came forward a little. So your legs aren't like sitting on the square box, you know, like mm -hmm. when you think of an outhouse, Oh, there's ways to do it. Right. Um, setting up some kind of pee guard at the front so you could be a little, you know, you're not pissing against the front wall of the thing. There's ways to, to work this out. All right. You'll have to search the interwebs on that one. But as far as the proper function, think of it like this. Think five-gallon bucket. Now, in this world, what we did was five-gallon bucket threw some pine wood chips that they were buying the big uh, – cubic yard or whatever, a tractor supply. They drop some in the bottom, they poop in it, and then they drop a little more pine wood chips on top. Now, not exactly, um, and I guess one of the things they talked about was you wanted to uh, actually urinate somewhere else. Um, you wanted to have one for kind of urine and one for, for taking a crap. The taking a crap, you just keep adding the wood chips. When it fills up, you go throw it in a compost pile. In my world, that would not be used compost for growing food. But 
it can compost and take care of itself. Other people's world, they're happy to use it in the garden. And they're like, look, my poop grows my flowers. That maybe is you and not me, but you know, whatever. Either way, that ends up being reasonably sanitary. You need to uh, be able to um, put this at least, I would say I like 100 yards. I think they were shooting for 150 feet. Um, so probably 50 yards, but uh, about 100, 100 yards away from any kind of living space or whatever. And I would say probably 300 yards from your water would be awesome. Um, you know, again, you got to work the world that you live in. Definitely no closer than 100 yards. Now, this is your composting end. Um, the way they worked out the urine, I think, was uh, they basically had some kind of like funnel, I think, with a hose that ran it out and ran it away to a, you know, something, some kind of tank. But you, you can work out the urine end on your end and the compost that that works. Bottom line, so you can build an outhouse, have a bucket where you open the back door. Now you're saying, well, Chuck, I'm not going to be able to get these wood chips from tractor supply indefinitely in the end of the world. Well, it turns out you can use any kind of organic matter like leaves. I would say dirt, but not really. It's not going to break it down as much. Um, it's going to be better than nothing. Um, great if you can throw some lime on top of it every now and again, mix it in. But if you can just put some kind of dead leaves, that kind of stuff over it, organic matter, you know, and you just have a bucket and you kind of keep adding to the other as you go. It really was low smell. Like I said, he had it in his uh, tiny house and you did not notice it as a problem. Um, again, obviously you need a lid for that toilet and yeah. you don't need it, you know, kind of permeating the whole place, but it really ended up being surprisingly not bad. So if it was an outhouse, this would not be a bad way to go. Um, so something you guys might want to think about. Now, I guess the next thing, yeah, go ahead. Well, oh, well, let's talk about, hands. let's talk about yeah. uh, just putting together a basic outhouse before we get into, into that. Um, okay. So, so, uh, there's a lot of options for, for outhouses, right? You can have the tank in there. You can have a composting toilet. You can have a, uh, you know, a big hole underneath either, you know, any way you, any way you go, you're still going to have to have some sort of a, a structure to poop in. So, uh, now I know you and I, Chuck, do you remember up in Canada? They had, they had the outhouse up there and that was, uh, sure. that was, sure. they didn't have indoor plumbing for a long time up there. Uh, I remember. Well, and definitely for the winters was the big thing. Um, for the winters, the, the water would be shut off. Because um, it basically, the water, I think, where we were came out of a lake. And uh, I don't know. This was back before the hills got dusty. And, you know, it wasn't easy to solve problems like this. We'll say that. Right. So uh, they, had a, they had a decent outhouse. And, and putting together your outhouse is really... You want you want to build it for comfort. So let's start there. So you're going to want a minimum of, you know, you're going to want to uh, think about how many people are using your outhouse. Is it just you? Is it like you and a friend that have a cabin up in the woods? Is it a whole family? Do you have like, you know, parties up there? 
So you might want to build more than a more than a one seater with a partition between the two. Okay. It depends on what you're what you're going for. Well, multiple outhouses might be the answer. Um now, do uh, you now, have to have the half moon about. in the door or how does that work? Oh Is yeah, that absolutely. That's just mandatory, yeah. Um so you want to have ventilation. That's the main thing. Um you don't want to box it in. Um and you even want to maybe do a pipe directly into your your tank or your pit that goes out to have airflow going through it. That's good because it, it helps break down the ship faster. Okay. You know, airflow. Um, now, what type of ground are you, are you building it on? That's another thing to think about. Is it rock? Is it sand? You know, you want to – you don't want the whole – outhouse to sink into the into the poop hole underneath so you got to have some plans for that um you might want to have a backhoe if you can do it if you can get a piece of equipment in there because uh you know you can build a deep narrow hole you know what i mean when you're digging with a shovel that's it that's a bit more tricky to do um and if you have a lot of rock in there it's going to be a real nightmare so you want to think about that but also rock is beneficial because it can help stabilize your outhouse and keep it from sinking in in on you you know what i mean um yeah so that's that's basically what i got on outhouses what do you think all right well like i said i do like a five gallon bucket that's removable um having like a little back door on the hatch that keeps you but there's nothing wrong with kind of digging a deep hole then moving the outhouse and and filling in the hole and just kind of you know if you have a couple of guys you can carry it moving on to the next place it's one way to go um i do like being able to take it away um i would recommend if you got the heavy equipment you can dig some holes now i mean i plan on taking my heavy equipment into the apocalypse um you know i i, I plan on having options after but pre-digging holes is never a bad idea. You never know when you need to bury something. I mean, that could always mm-hmm. come up. That could always come Comes up. Comes up all the time. There you go. All right. So let's talk about washing our hands and washing our buttholes. That's another thing oh, that, to butthole. keep clean. Those two things. Now, I know you've mm-hmm. mentioned in the past you like to use moss for your butthole. That it, it gives you that squishy, soft feeling. That's right. It breaks down. It's perfect. Great. Yeah, I know it leaves a lot of moss in your butt, but that's right. That's right. What I don't like are the the flushable wipes because they are flushable. Technically, they will go down your toilet, but they also never break down. And the big part of the uh, the outhouse and and that stuff there is it all breaks down. You want to break it down so it doesn't, you know, it breaks down enough that it doesn't make you sick if it, you know, if it comes up again, if it gets into the water supply, if it does something like that and have putting stuff down there that doesn't break down as well, it's just going to, it's going to fill up full of nastiness. So just think about that when you're, when you're wiping your butt. Good to know. That's, that's one of the secrets of the pros right there. Right. Another thing that's that's uh, important that there is soap. Keeping your keeping your hands clean, keeping everything washed, being able to wash stuff. So, 
there's a lot of different options here for disinfecting your your hands and keeping things clean. One of my favorites is uh, rubbing alcohol. It's really cheap, and you can mix it with water, um, and it lasts forever. You know, if you get a bottle of, of rubbing alcohol, you can set it on your shelf, and it'll be the same rubbing alcohol 100 years from now. You know, it's not something that expires or goes bad. Um, bleach is another great option, but that's something you got really about a six month to a, a year lifespan on, on bleach before it starts, you know, starting to, to degrade into something that's not really, uh, not really, uh, useful anymore. Right. Now, another thing for preppers that I think about is, uh, as being an, an important thing to stockpile is actual bars of soap. Um, that's another thing that it just, you know, it'll last on your shelf forever. Uh, you can get it very inexpensively. You can get it by the bar from, you know, the grocery store or any place like that. You can buy it in bulk. You can, uh, make it yourself if you want to save a little bit of money. Right. Now, I'm not a big, uh, not a big soap maker, but I was thinking about getting into it. So did a little bit of research for it and unfortunately i'm i'm going to talk to somebody about making soap tonight after we make the show so it's not really beneficial for right now what do you think there chuck well so you know basically soap is lye and fat and something that smells pretty right so Mm -hmm. you can maybe get your like lavender flowers or some nonsense you know kevin likes to smell pretty i know that um the uh the lye you can uh, make out a wood ash and it takes a couple days. Um, we did a, another episode where we kind of went deeper in how to do that. But, uh, and you're going to need some like preemptive stuff, like some thicker rubber gloves, maybe some safety glasses, things you're going to think about beforehand. You know, um, you don't want to, uh, you know, ever add water to the lye when you're making it because that makes like, bubbly volcano uh disaster but anyway right um, well i mean you've got gloves and safety glasses so it doesn't matter right and volcanoes are fun yeah um all right so anyway that's something that you know that's another episode because we we did actually talk about how to get into that um but basically by animal fat you could use and something that smells pretty um, and you kind of work it out. I know if you guys have seen Fight Club, I know you know there's other options on the table. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Get your fat from multiple places. Multiple places, you know, wherever you got to go. Um, you can use uh, some different oils and things too. And, and there's ways to, if you plan ahead, you can buy oils to like add scents and stuff that'll carry on for a long time. Um you know, that you'll be able to have a small quantity of stuff, you know, like peppermint or something, and have it last. And I know peppermint has some kind of antibiotic uh, properties there. Things like that you can do. Um, let's kind of loop back around. We, we talked about alcohol and soap. Let's uh, loop around to, uh, is there maybe a way we can be more efficient where we're not getting as dirty? Um Let's talk about like cleanup for when we're cooking, things like that. Are there things we could do? I mean, that was one of the things uh, in the email uh, they had talked about, 
you know, could we use about like disposable plastic gloves? Now, again, this is kind of contradictory to avoiding waste, um, but it does add the simplicity. Um, you're going right. to need certain things that are going to help out in an emergency or when you're on the go or, in, you know, on the fly when you need to do something quickly. There's going to be things like aluminum foil, wax paper, um, like liners for your slow cooker, things like that, paper plates, right? Those degrade and they can make your washing and clean up a thousand times easier. Um, paper cups, you know, things like that. Um, they make liners for the Dutch oven and things like that. Uh, you know, do you have salt and pepper? Things like that, right? Might be something to think about. Uh, also plastic utensils, Ziploc bags. Um, but again, think about reusing these items if you have them um, as opposed to adding them to the waste and the whatever. You know, but again, that kind of right. gets around the 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 benefit of easy use. You know, like the paper plates, yeah, they can be tossed. They're They're used for starting the fire you know, the next morning or whatever, bringing it back to life, something like that. That's a win. You know, the waste, it's going to make life and clean up sanitation a lot easier. I'm sure you could have a thousand paper plates for a very inexpensive amount of money. And that covers a lot of meals right there and a lot of cleanup. Um, and again, burning the stuff right yeah. after you're probably running a fire if you're cooking food. So, you know, getting rid of it, it doesn't sound like an issue. The plastic utensils, I, I'm sure somebody makes some kind of biodegradable thing like that, but maybe that's a little less effective. But I know that foil would be great, and foil can be reusable. Um, another way right. to go I think, there. Uh, you know, I think a lot of that really is, is to me, to me, ideally, uh, everything is reusable, you know. You can get the heavier, like you were talking about, the heavier rubber gloves, you know, those like uh, kitchen kitchen uh, dishwashing rubber gloves. Yeah. And just wash those off and, and reuse them again. As far as silverware, um, you know, I, I think it's – I think it's easiest to have, you know, just some set silverware. Not, you know, not a hundred-piece set or something. Right. But a spoon, fork, knife type type deal having that sort of th stuff around that you can simply wash it or wipe it off with, uh, with, you know, some sort of, uh, rags and things like that and, and rinse it off. Um, I love paper plates. Uh, anytime I go out, you know, backpacking or anything, I bring paper plates with me. Um, they're great for fire starter and they're also, you know, like you said, you can use them and then you don't have food waste laying around smelling things up and, and drawing in mm. animals. Right. And that's really one of the big things is is keeping the animals at, away, uh, rodents, rats, things like that are never uh, never great to have around, and you know, stuff just gets nasty and draws in. You know, the smells just draw in things. Um, you're talking about aluminum foil. That's a, a big thing for me. Um, you're also talking about Ziploc bags. Now I keep a lot of Ziploc bags. The the bigger ones, the you know whatever one gallon size they're they're great for multiple uses um if i'm backpacking or if i'm out uh out in the woods or or doing some traveling i usually do like a set you know underwear t-shirt socks in those one gallon aluminum bags 
So you can swap everything out and keep clean and you can put the dirty stuff right back in the bag and seal it up and it's not smelling all, all the rest of your stuff up. Um, I know I, I personally had a Serbian grandmother that did this and I'm sure a bunch of you guys did. Sure. You know, rinsing out the Ziploc bags and letting them dry and reusing them again. Uh, I thought and it was a little bit gross when I was a kid. The neighbor kids. Yeah, sure. That's exactly it. Yep. I thought it was gross when I was a little kid, but or when I was younger, but now that I'm an old man, everything is less disgusting to me. I've just just gotten used to this uh, everything disgusting in the world. You also the wrapping paper at Christmas. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That was the same grandma, wasn't it? Oh, oh man. No. Um, yeah, no, but I think grandma knew a lot of stuff about that, those sorts of things, you know? A lot of our grandmothers grew up during the Great Depression, and, you know, they reused stuff. And, uh, you can learn a lot from uh, from those those women, especially when it comes time, you know, when a time comes around where, you know, everything isn't disposable, right? You know, where things are valuable, and and being able to reuse things is is gonna be a big help when when there's a shortage on anything, right? Now, one thing that I don't want people to do, okay, but sometimes it's necessary, is what the French call PP sauvage. which uh, translates to wild pissers. Now, they've got a problem in a lot of their cities where men will just piss on the sidewalk. Yes. Um, Not great. Not great. Not real healthy. That's not a sanitation sanitation helper. And I know they they So if you're going to poop... Go ahead. If you're going to poop or or pee in the wild, you're going to want to take certain steps. So this is something to think about when when uh, you're out, even even if you're just out camping, you know. So you don't want to be pooping right next to a water source, um, and I don't mean just a water source of water you're drinking. I mean other water sources. Um, there's a, a disease called Giardia, right? And uh, that's why you can't just drink stream water anymore. You used to be able to do it, but there are so many people that have pissed in stream waters that now Giardia infects beavers, and the beavers will then piss in the water, and if anybody drinks that water, now you're sick. That's why you can't drink stream water anymore, and it's all because of you dirty motherfuckers pissing in, in streams. So just keep that in mind when you're out in the wild. All right. There is so many people pissing in the water that um I, I was watching a thing on youtube and i'm not even sure how uh how true this is but it i found it disturbing either way so i feel like i need to share it the guy took two five gallon buckets and he uh he filled one well he filled both with water and he put um a uh he said twice the amount of bleach that he thought was reasonable for you know, for it, for that amount of water. So five gallon bucket, I think he ended up putting like an ounce of bleach in each one and let it sit for okay. three days. Now he thought, Oh, with all that bleach in there, that water's really going to stink. Right. Then he added an ounce of urine to one of the two buckets. All right. And okay. waited two days, opened them up, smelled both one he said had completely no smell. The one that he added the urine to 
had that familiar pool chlorine smell. And he was like, wait a minute. I've been smelling my piss reacting with the urine the whole time. And I'm like, uh -huh. oh, shit. So that's maybe an experiment one of you guys wants to get on, get to the bottom of it. But if your pool smells very chlorine-y, there might be a problem. And that problem might be you. That's right. That's right. That out there. I was always told as a kid that that like uh, your pee turns blue in the pool. They add oh, that yeah, yeah. secret chemical. Secret. Yeah, chemicals. that chemical does not exist. Just to be clear, you've been there's nothing that is going to react with your pee. Okay, we're safe. <laughs> and light it up. I can. I can just. We're let safe. It go. You can pee in in a public pool and nobody will know, except for the smell. Yeah, exactly. When there you get you that strong chlorine smell, and that's it turns out he's like, Yeah, that the guy goes, Yeah, this smells like my childhood. It's <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> that's that's oh, bad. Shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing to think about though is is what are you doing with your waste on your property? How is that gonna play out in a uh you know, that's a lot of these off-grid guys really have it down pat where they are kind of producing zero waste, you know, where stuff is going into the compost, the, the stuff like the foil and stuff is being reused. They're selective with what right. they're, you know, the products they purchase with how they're packaged, you know, um, if they are coming in plastic containers or these containers we can reuse, or is this stuff that's gonna, you know, just become part of the landfill problem. Um, Think about that in your long-term prep kind of stuff. Think about what you can wash out and reuse and that kind of stuff. Think about where you would, you know, like what can you separate? Are there things that we can't put in the compost, Kevin? Or I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm real big on compost. That's one of my, uh, you know, one of my little hobbies here. So everything can go in the compost except for everything that that's biodegradable except for meat. And the okay. reason meat is it doesn't go in there is cuz it it just it just stinks. It just smells like dead animal when it's decomposing. And you don't want that smell around. You know, it draws in like like I said, it draws in some nasty stuff. But just regular food composting can draw in some nasty stuff too. So it's something you want to keep away from your house. Um okay. So what you want what you want in there for a good compost uh, is a good mix between um, green and brown waste. Uh, so that means like dried leaves and things like that. And also, you know, clippings. Oh, it's so, not the other kind of brown waste? No, no, not that type. <laughs> but uh, so uh, all your vegetable clippings, all your stuff like that can go in there. The, the, smaller it's cut up the better uh you don't necessarily want to throw uh lawn clippings in there just because it kind of clumps together and it it just kind of gets kind of nasty and and septic smelling and and stuff so if you do throw lawn clippings in there you know let them dry out a little bit first before you do that uh same with leaves you want to only throw leaves in there that you've run over with the lawnmower you don't want to just throw the regular leaves you rake up in there um some things you shouldn't put in your compost is uh, onions, garlic, or uh, citrus fruit because that it's got an antibacterial. They've all got like antibacterial uh, function. So um, 
So they're going to slow down your composting. Um, I've gotten it down to where I'm going through one trash bag, one kitchen size trash bag a week. So I've really got my, my waste down to almost nothing. Um, I recycle, uh, burn all paper products just because, you know, I'm paranoid. I'm a crazy person. I don't throw my mail in the garbage because, you know, somebody could get a hold of it. So I burn all that sort of stuff and I've got it down to just about, just about nothing. Just one step up above nothing. It's my, my waste for the, for the week. Well, that sounds like, I mean, where we all want to get to, you know, and, but the thing is, so you need to come up with like, especially those of you who aren't out in the country who live in a tighter area, you need to kind of come up with a plan real quick of what you guys are going to do in your small community with your waste. And you need to kind of push people into setting up a uh, organized compost and stuff like that, or everybody doing it on a small scale, but you don't need somebody's property getting overrun with rats. It's going to affect you when you're all in a tight area, you know, right. Bad things will come. And that is how diseases are spread. You know, I mean, that's how I imagine everyone's so worried about the roving gangs and yeah, they're going to be the first wave of, uh, you know, devastation to the population. But the second wave is going to be disease. It's going to come with a hundred percent, you know, and Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, the first week, you know, you're not really overrun with, you know, filth and disease. But a uh, couple of weeks in, things will start to get a little ripe. Um, when Kevin right. and I were discussing this earlier, he had mentioned, uh, you know, New York City, when they do their trash strikes, it doesn't get pretty. And, I mean, look at the streets of California. No. It, it's not pretty. Right. Right. I remember seeing some of those some of those pictures when they went on strike and it was after a week and it was just mountains of garbage bags and it was just full of rats. You know, that's New York City is disgusting because of that. It's all rats and cockroaches. That's 90 percent of what what's living in that city. That and it turns out there's a bunch of wild pissers there as well. That's right. Wild pissers everywhere. Um. But it is it is something that gets out of hand real fast. So I mean, it is something to think about and keeping you know keeping the back of your head, you know, and starting to to take some action now ahead of time, is is a great way to uh, be prepared for when it actually uh, starts going down. Um, now you were talking about some uh, some advertising ideas for our podcast. Chuck? Yes, what are you thinking? Um, some I don't know. Investing? I, you, what's that? Some investing opportunities? Yeah, yeah. So you were talking about investing in, in gold and silver as a way to, to back stuff up. Uh, but you're also talking about something that I thought was a little bit more interesting, investing in whiskey. So... Whiskey barrels, you can whiskey buy whiskey by the barrels, barrel. and that, an that eight, is a true 18%? thing. Eighteen percent, eighteen percent. Yep. All right. So you buy the whiskey in the barrel, in the and barrel. then you just keep it safe, no, someplace, keep it safe and then you. sell it. They keep it safe for you. Okay. Um, this is uh, 
Let me see who the hell it is because they're sending me emails. The Whiskey and Wealth Company something. They're sending me emails every day. Whiskey and Wealth Club. And All right. It's a bunch of, you know, Irish or Scottish guys. I don't know if there's a difference. Sure, you're like, Chuck, they're different islands completely. Yeah, what, whatever. I don't know. I, I can't understand either <laughs> one of them, so whatever. But uh, they basically, they're, they're warehousing these uh, whiskey barrels, and maybe you need to buy one. You hold it for a couple of years, it matures. Somebody's like, hey, I drink whiskey. Let me buy that barrel from you. And you drop that shit out. So that's definitely got some Is that some what they talk about when it's aged whiskey? All right. Well, no. Three so years hypothetically, just to, I, it turns out three years in one day just makes it whiskey. Okay. You need Before that. That's, that, that's not, right that, out of the gate. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. Okay. And so hypothetically, I could buy my own barrels of whiskey, though. And hypothetically. just store them myself. Hypothetically. Right, and if, if the, the return is 18%, hypothetically, I could drink 18% of the whiskey from that each one of those barrels and then be able to sell it back for the same amount of money that I paid for it. I mean, to me, that seems like the real interest, you know, the real return you want on, on something like that. Oh. Personally, I think that's a, that's a pretty great idea. I mean, this is a, this is a real plan. This is something's coming together here. Now it's, Whiskey and scotch are the same thing, right? It's just whiskey comes from uh, Ireland and scotch comes from Scotland? Or is there a different, a real difference in, in what they use to make it? Right. And then bourbon's from Kentucky. That's the... Right. All right. You know, I've, I've always been much more of a fan of, of whiskey than I was of scotch or bourbon, but I feel like there's not that big of a difference between them. I think I just got sick on scotch and I got sick on bourbon when I was a, a youngster and have never really got over it. That that part sounds accurate. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so if you guys have any uh, topics you want to talk about, if you have anything you want us to uh, touch on, email Questions, us at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Um, you can go to our Patreon and donate and keep us from having to have advertisements. Or, like uh that. Or maybe or go to our Facebook page. You want some badass gear. You need to go to preppingbadass.com and get some of those cool t-shirts. But otherwise, I would say stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. <laughs>
fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.